Hi, I'm Kate. And I'm Mandy. And this is Love Sober. The podcast for the sober and sober curious. Hi, and welcome back to Love Sober, the podcast for the sober and sober curious. And this is episode 29. And today we are truly delighted to have on board as our esteemed guest, the Bex Weller, who is, she's a health and life coach. She's an author of uh, a fantastic book called A Happier Hour. She's a speaker and creator of a great online program and community, I believe now, Sexy Sobriety. So um, welcome, Bex. We're so delighted you could be here all the way from Australia. Thank you so much for having me here, guys. I'm absolutely thrilled to be part of this. Oh, it's fantastic. And so we, um, you, we've already mentioned that you're sort of ahead of us, aren't you? So it's, it's early evening for you, is it? It is, yes. It's Thursday evening. Okay. And how's your day gone? How are you doing? It's been a little bit crazy today. It's been a little bit busy and we had friends over last night. So it was like a little bit love, a late start to the day. But it also has felt very sort of, you know, swept away with the wind type thing, which has been quite kind of nice as well. Very casual. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds good. And Mandy, how are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good. Yeah, I'm, I'm still in half term. So I've had the kids off for nearly two weeks. The French like to elongate things. Um, which is great, you know, they love holidays, so I'm, I'm not complaining. Um, but let's face it, it's not really holidays, it's just school closure time. So, yes, you know. we rebranded that one, didn't we? <laughs> we rebranded uh, kids' holidays to periods of school closure because, you know, there's a massive expectation that you're going to be having the best time all the time, and it's like life's still going on so um yes (laughs) they're yet again um stuck upstairs with um a screen i mean they're absolutely happy about it to be honest but you know it's like mummy guilt but there we go (laughs) and you my love how are you yeah right well i'm really happy to be talking to bex because i think you know from what i know about bex she is a true joy finder and um with what's going on with my son at school at the moment and our drama last night when he went missing for a couple of hours um yeah. he's all right he's fine he um he'd had his phone confiscated because for swearing <laughs> this is gonna be like a massive overshare now right so so you know how things cascade so he'd been swearing so he got his phone taken away so therefore i couldn't find him and it all just ended up being a complete bloody oh. nightmare. But in the end, he ju- I was just about to phone the police and he arrived and he'd walked back. I mean, he'd been walking for about two hours, bless him, home. Oh, wow. So thank God, everything's fine. I'm still um, in a sort of adrenaline come down. But like I said, yeah. I'm hugely, hugely pleased to talk to you, talk to you today, <laughs> Bex, to take my mind off it. <laughs> yeah so anyway i'm really excited because this is like this is like almost to me like the modern face of kind of sober sisterhood and sobriety because it's like we're on three we're in three different countries and still manage to find each other right so that's really i I love that no so bex could you tell us a bit you know about your journey and 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 really towards sobriety Mm -hmm. absolutely and so you know 
I, for me, like so many other women, I fell in love with alcohol as a teenager and I was quite a, a shy and introverted girl. And so all of a sudden when I discovered alcohol, I was like, oh my goodness, I can have all this confidence. I can, I can be quite extroverted at these parties. And so it was very seductive to me. And I kept that sort of train of thought going throughout my the rest of my teens my 20s and unfortunately my 30s as well and I found myself in a lot of positions in the corporate world where we had a lot of functions to go to so there was always plenty of alcohol there's always plenty of people to drink with I also would drink and wine to deal with stress and tell myself oh well I have to do the month end reporting and it's terribly stressful and so I need the wine to help me get through it and about five years ago now, or just over five years, I decided that I wanted to become a health coach. So I had been working in the corporate world as a cost engineer for a global energy company. So this was so, so different. All of my mm. colleagues thought I was completely bonkers. Like, where have you gotten this idea from? But I'd been on my own nutrition journey and I'd started to uh, learn so much about uh, self-care and, and these sorts of practices that I was, couldn't wait to share with others. And so I left the corporate world. And when I did so to become a health coach, I thought that this drinking issue, you know, I was very much a binge drinker that I would leave that behind magically in the corporate world because, well, then, you know, I, I'm starting this new career. Why would it come with me? Not realizing how much I had given away my power to it, how much I had sort of come to use it as a crutch for self-esteem, for confidence, mm -hmm. for it came to stand for everything like relaxation, uh, celebration, anything. It was all about the alcohol. And it was only when I was about six months into my entrepreneurial journey and I discovered that lo and behold, when we're doing something for the first time, when we're trying to run a business and we have no idea how to do that, it's terribly confronting and, and frightening. And so I was leaning on alcohol even more. I was like, well, I need the wine to deal with it because I'm freaked out of, of all this, this new journey that I'm on. And one day I was in a Skype coaching session with one of my beautiful clients and she said, you know, sometimes when I feel lonely, I drink more. And I heard myself say, well, that's okay. And I was horrified mm. because I thought, what am I doing? Like, I, I need to sort this out for myself. And now you're telling someone else it's okay and it's not okay. And so it was, that was one of the catalysts that really shook me and made me realize that I need to do something about this. I'm so sick of this hold that alcohol has over me. I'm so sick of being upset if I can't have it on Friday nights or getting grumpy because I don't want to be the driver because you know I believe that every event is boring without alcohol. I was so sick of half-assing my life as well, mm -hmm. of never feeling like I was pouring my heart and soul into something. And for the first time, I had a career that, uh, that I wanted to pursue. It wasn't quite a career yet because I was only six months in, but it was something that was really I was really curious about. And I thought, if I don't try now, then when? When am I ever going to pour myself and my heart and soul into something and find out what I'm truly made of? And this is what uh, sort of inspired me to try something I'd never tried before, which was to stop trying to moderate and, and killing myself trying to do that and instead embark on a sobriety experiment and see what maybe life might be, might be like without alcohol. Yeah, right. And I think so, so many people can kind of 
relate to that sort of it ending up somehow along the line becoming a, a bomb and for everything you know if you're going out commiseration celebration stress relief I mean this is something we talk about a lot isn't it Mandy that as women, mm. you know, we, we, we generally talk to women about this. This is, and it has, it sort of ends up with its tentacles in like everything. And then, so, yeah. so how did you go about it then? What, you, you embarked on an experiment, so you saw it as an experiment rather than a, a life sentence, exactly. presumably. Exactly, yeah. yes. I couldn't, I couldn't bear the thought of, even 30 days at that that point felt terrifying to me because I hadn't done 30 days since I was like 16. And so then I, mm. I came across this blog that was talking about a 100-day uh, challenge and I thought, okay, what if I could do three months? Like three months now to me feels like forever, but what if I could do that? And I was terrified that I wouldn't be able to. So I thought, okay, if I just start with one month and then let me see what happens. And I got one month in and I thought, oh my gosh, I'm actually starting to to enjoy this. Like it's, it's very challenging and very confronting, but I'm also seeing the benefits. I wonder what two months feels like. And then I got there and I was like, wow, I wonder what three months feels like. And then I thought, you know, when, when I got to that 100 day mark, I was so, um, you know, my, your mind plays tricks with you of like, well, you've had done it now. You've proved that you don't need it. So, you should have a drink to celebrate. It's like, yeah. what? If I don't need it, then why do I need it? And I thought, what if I could do six months? Like, I wonder what that would feel like. And little by little, I could feel this self-worth coming back. I could feel myself starting to like myself again. I was starting to love that feeling of waking up in the morning and not having anything holding me back, of being able to reach my potential, of being able to um, never have to worry the next day. Like, there was so much paranoia and shame I used to go through about what happened last night what did I say who did I text you know all of this sort of is my love upset with me again today all of these sorts of things to remove all of that suddenly mm. I felt like this huge capacity for wow what could I actually do with this life <laughs> yeah amazing and and just and so by, what, uh, sorry, at what point on. did you come up with the no, no, I was, I was just wondering at what point did the the idea for sexy sobriety start to uh, develop? It was probably when I was about six months in when I, because I, then I got to that six month milestone and I was like, well, what, what comes next? And I had been running an online program called the Sparkle Project, which helps women with nutrition and having more energy. And I thought, what if I could create something that was like that, an online program, and it would help women, women with sobriety. And I would not only share my, all of the tools and techniques and self-care things that had, had really helped me, but also bring in some role models because I thought I don't know anyone who doesn't drink and is happy about it. Like I, I had zero role <laughs> models in my life. And I thought, what if I could have conversations with other women and we could talk about how they are trailblazers and what they're doing with their lives now that mm. they're living alcohol free? What could that even look like? And so that was what inspired me to, I'm getting goosebumps now thinking about it because I, I got so excited about creating this program called Sexy Sobriety. And so that was what brought it to life so yeah I mean if I had never embarked on my own sobriety experiment I wouldn't have known how good I could feel and I wouldn't have had the honor and privilege of helping other women to discover that as well mm. and you know uh, Bets I want to talk a bit, a bit about sexy sobriety because um, 
for what my journey was that I had been I'd found an online forum Soberistas and done a lot of reading and then after about a year I had that kind of what now there was definitely gaps there were massive gaps in my toolkit it was like I was sort of white knuckling through the first year getting just doing the repetitive stuff of the muscle building of sobriety so I'd done a lot of hard work and then I thought okay well you know, I had a stressful summer and I, and I went back to drinking and tried to moderate for about a year and a half. And it was probably the most soul-destroying part of the journey so far, Touchwood. And I just got sick of every month ending up just having a kind of binge, like, you know, a couple of bottles of wine or something. And just, it was hideous, even though to the outside world, I probably looked like a great success. You're only drinking once a month. You know, everybody else is drinking a lot more than you. But it was the relationship with myself and alcohol that was not healed properly, I think. And then, so when I found sexy sobriety, and I've said this, I, I used to write about it all the time on Soberistas, and I said to Mandy, it was like, it was the missing piece for me. It was like, I now understand, because I'm training as a coach, that I finally found something that fitted with my values and my learning styles, lit me up, and showed me where I wanted to go. Because it's still uh, in England at that time, there was still a lot of talk of addiction, of alcoholism. And I, I was like, well, A, I kind of just don't feel like those labels fitted with me. And and I was like, well, who who am I and what do I do with this then? And honestly, when I found Sexy Sobriety and, and went through the programme, it was like, all oh, right, OK, OK, got it. Yeah. I'm creating a beautiful life, you know, and it's not always perfect. It's not always, you know, as we could testament to my son disappearing last night for a couple of hours. You know, it's not always easy, but it, it yeah, it gave me those tools of self care to set me on that, that sort of journey that I'm really passionate about. And I really wanted to thank you for that. Um, and I and I, I suppose I wanted to to sort of ask you a bit more why the kind of you know the self care and the wellness aspect seemed mm -hmm. so key to you. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, first of all, you just about made me cry. I'm so happy to hear that. I'm so so oh. happy to hear that. And and it was an absolute pleasure getting to know you throughout that that journey as well, Kate. Um, and so why the wellness aspect? I guess because I really struggled with that in the past. I mean, that wellness aspect, when I, throughout my teen years, my 20s, I had a dysfunctional relationship with food as well, where I believed that food equals either putting weight on or losing weight, you know, very round and round in circles um, relationship with it. And when I, um, it was actually when I embarked on a vegan lifestyle and then I started doing a lot more research and that's when I enrolled to study at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition in New York. And I started to learn that, oh, hang on a second, nutrition food can actually change the way the our energy levels the way that we feel about ourselves the way that we perceive the world like this was revolutionary to me at the time because I had no idea that eating different things and, and throughout that course of study we were encouraged to experiment on ourselves so to eat something write down how it made you feel two hours later and how it made you feel the next day and this was blowing my mind and so that got me started on the journey of of discovering more and 
when I found, found out about self-care, I was like, what? I mean, my mode of operation had always been, uh, you know, suck it up, uh, get over it, um, put on a brave face and, and, and get out there and do it all over again and go hard and, or go home, you know, all of these, the ways that I would push myself with drinking and then the next day have a hangover and think that I couldn't do things but I would push myself Mm. into it and there was no kindness there there was absolutely zero kindness when it came to dealing with myself and when I started to experiment with these things as well I thought oh my gosh like what if underneath all of these dysfunctional relationships with food with alcohol with sugar with social media all of this stuff is a dysfunctional relationship with ourselves and where wellness comes in is that I think when we can feed ourselves well, when we look after our sleep patterns, when we um, can uh, exercise, when we can, when we look after ourselves physically, mentally, and emotionally, we start to experience life at a higher um, quality. We started, we start to get more out of life, and that was what made me so so passionate about bringing that to sexy sobriety. Yeah, yeah, and I I know that. and so you, go on. Sorry, no, no, man, do you go? <laughs> no, no, I was just going to say, so you wrote a book, uh, A Happier Hour. Did you self-publish? Is that when? Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, my, my, my love, who's now my husband, uh, he looked into um, becoming a publisher. So he did. <laughs> Because we thought, why not? Amazing. If you can, if I can become sober, he can become a publisher. Mm. <laughs> and so, yes, we, we published it. And this really came about from the Sexy Sobriety members who so many of them were asking as they went through their own journey, they were like, but I'm on day 28 and I feel like I'm losing my mind. And I was like, well, I was like that too. It's normal, I promise. And they would look at me how I am now and they're like, but you weren't like that. And I was like, I was, I promise. And so this is what really inspired me to share my story with them, to show them exactly what happens behind the scenes and that all of that emotional roller coaster although it's so confronting and terrifying at the time is so normal and that is what actually gives rise to the greatest growth within us Mm. and you know I I, what's interesting I, I was thinking about this earlier about what what attracted me to sexy sobriety is initially that well I wanted to change I wanted I knew that I had just had to do something different you know it's that definition for madness okay I've got to try something different different because I'm getting the same results here and I used to work on magazines I'm an ex-journo so you know I was like lifestyle magazine I love aspirational I've always been a stargazer you know and um but what really struck me, so that hooked me and I was like, okay, this looks nice and it's a club I want to be part of, especially all the amazing entrepreneurs as well. I think Jolene's on there. You know, we're doing a yeah, workshop Jolene with Jolene. Park. We're going to do a workshop with her soon. Anyway, that's She's amazing. She's awesome, isn't she? <laughs> so it was like, okay. But I said to Mandy today, what was going on underneath is very, very deep and profound work. And I love mm-hmm. that. And I think that sometimes people, I don't know why I would say I'm rambling a bit. Sometimes people can look at you and underestimate, you know, okay, well, I've got the lipstick and like a, a lipstick is a sober treat. And, you know, there can be that kind of, well, you're not taking it very seriously, are you? But underneath that, there's really like self-compassion, there's mindfulness work. It's like a 
kind of a soul, mind, emotion kind of boot camp you're going through. So you've got to lighten the load. That's how I see it. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. And and there's already so much in sobriety that feels so heavy. There's so much that is frightening about it that can feel like it's, you know, we have these flashbacks of things we did in the past that we're no longer proud of or maybe we never were proud of. And mm-hmm. we can feel like we, we're in uncharted territory. We're doing something against the social grain. And mm-hmm. so to bring a little bit of lightness and joy to it, to to I, I was watching a, um, a business coaching video last night, actually, and in that they said, instead of focusing on what am I ready to let go of, focus on what am I ready to go big on? And I thought, oh, I love that. It's just that focusing on what you're gaining rather than what you're giving up. Because to me, sobriety had always felt like it would be deprivation or punishment. So instead to focus on well, what could my life be like without this cycle of hangovers and regret and shame and paranoia? What could that feel like? What could actually happen? <laughs> yeah. And I think what you're, yeah, and I love that. And I think what you're referring to, Kate, is that, you know, it's the, it's the women's struggle, isn't it? That like we have to kind of um, become militant and, you know, um, deny our femininity or, um, you know, our beauty to be heard and to, um, taken seriously, you know, mm. and when, when someone brings is brave enough to bring themselves in, in and, uh, you know, and in, in the, the way that they are, not to, you know, ma- become masculine, you know, mm. to, to be able to be, um, that's what appealed to you, I think, and what you loved, because it's like, you know, we are, can't we just be us and be sparkly mm. and, and happy and and love those things um, which are feminine but still have depth and yeah, still be badass and realness. Like real badass yeah. going on. So, yeah, exactly. yeah, absolutely. What would you say then, Because and I love that, you. I remember you once talking in a coaching video, I think, and it was about a corporate exercise you'd gone on where... They, you were trying to swerve traffic cones. And this, this again, yes. these little metaphors that you're really good at really lit me up. And and the guy said, you hit everyone. And then he said, look, focus on the gaps, which is, again, what you're saying. Focus on where you want to go. Um, and, and it's that, that, that very, very positive thing that, that you, you, you know, that you're so good at, I think. Um, genuinely, I've totally forgotten what I was going to say. Oh, I know what I was going to say. <laughs> what, so what, I mean, what are the, what are the best bits that, you know, of, of personal development have happened to you as a result of your journey and being your sober I journey? Would, yeah, I would probably say my emotional maturity <laughs> because I didn't realise it, but now I've read a lot of research that says that they they say that our emotional maturity becomes stunted at the same age we were when we started drinking. And when I read that, I was like, oh, my goodness, that so resonates because I felt like I was still a 16-year-old in many ways when it came to conflict resolution. (laughs) I didn't even understand what that was. Mm. When it came to healthy boundaries, there were none. (laughs) When it came to um, taking 
parenting myself to really like taking responsibility and rather than sort of thinking, oh, just don't worry about it. That's tomorrow's problem. Instead, sort of sitting down and saying, well, no, <laughs> you know, I can't just let you run amok. This is me talking to myself. I can't just <laughs> let you run amok and do whatever you want because that's not good for you, right? <laughs> just like you would, would with yeah. a child yeah. be like, put that sugar down. You've had enough. <laughs> and so for me, like that emotional maturity, in years gone by, I would have thought that sounded so boring, but to experience it, to actually feel it as such a, a an a area of growth for me, it I love it so much because I feel like I finally have my own back. I feel like mm. I can stand on my own two feet, that I'm not going to um, scare myself or I'm not going to let myself down or I'm not going to uh, feel distrust about myself. I think so much of my self-worth uh, has come from that emotional maturity. And, and I, I love it. I love when I react in a way that's very mature and grown up and I think, well done, you, you did really well with that conversation. <laughs> yeah. I've got a little bit of a tear going on because I, I remember very um, palpably a moment and I, I'm not sitting not that far. I was washing up over there because I'm recording in my kitchen, diner. And I was looking out of the window and 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 I was terrible. I was at my own worst, you know, self-critic and I, I drove I think I drove myself from my first year of sobriety with a with the stick rather than the carrot, put it that way. Mm. And I remember sort of so I don't know what point it was, but I, I just had this voice saying, What what if you always had your own back? What would that be like? To never have to be looking outside for all this approval to, to, to be almost hyper vigilant for response to tell me I'm okay. What if just for one moment that came from me? And what if I always had my own back? And I just remember this, and it didn't come till a bit later, but I had an expansion and, and, and I had a, pos a feeling of possibility, just a, a seed of it that, at that point. Mm. And then through practicing self compassion, you know, I discovered Tara Moore, Tara Brach. And through um, Kristin Neff, which I think I learned about in your program, Dr. Kristin Neff. Um, yeah, it, it started to grow. So that was my really big area of growth was self-compassion. That was key for me, you know. And it's similar to what you're saying. It's like having your own back, being able to parent yourself, listen in and go, oh, little you. What does little you need right now? You know, mm. so... Speaking kindly to yourself as you would to a scared, frightened child. You know, mm. that that was all new to me as well. I remember once years ago going through a big breakup and my friend saying to me, you need to learn to be your own best friend through this. And I thought, what on earth does that mean? I have no idea what that means. But I would, I, I sort of turned it over and over in my mind where I started to think, oh, okay, maybe it's about being kind to myself. And yeah, I think that's something that can be very difficult for women. I think we tend to be very um, strict with ourselves, very down on ourselves, very self-critical. And we are not often our own biggest cheerleader. We don't often uh, sort of boost ourselves up. I think it's a, a skill, a tool, a um, yeah, a skill that we need to develop. Well, it's a downward spiral too, isn't it, when you're drinking because you are not meeting your goals and you are letting yourself down. And so that adds and that feeds that kind of negativity on yourself because, you know, you, you drink when you say you wouldn't and you're hungover when you thought you wouldn't be and all those things. Um, and none of that helps. And, yeah, I think it's really key for 
women to understand that taking that first step and and stopping drinking is is adding a layer to that positive spiral of going no i am going to do this for myself and i am capable and i can rather than constantly being you know proven right that you can't um because you're sort of interacting with a you know an addictive negative substance Mm-hmm. So um, true. I'm really that. interested. Yeah, I'm just really interested to know what's in your self-care sober toolkit. Like, what what do you do to <laughs> sort of um, the actual physical things? What do you do when you kind of feel a bit down or stressed? What things do you mm. like to do? I tend to live in my head a lot as in general life. And so the thing that I've been working on most is getting into my body because I tended to think of that as something very separate to me. And I find that the more tactile the self-care is that I use, the better I feel, the more that I calm down, the more I feel soothed. And so I do things like uh, Epsom salt uh, foot baths, like a foot spa, you know, those Mm, sort of daggy things that you find at all the garage sales. (laughs) I put my feet in those with some essential oils. I do, uh, I I love to keep my bedroom as a sanctuary. So like really tidying all of that and making that feel really, really nice as somewhere that I can escape to. I love to, um, well, let's go for walks in nature and just like look around at the birds and the, the sunshine and the trees and see what's happening. Um, getting enough sleep is also very important for me because I tend to be a night owl and then I wake up in the morning and I'm like, what did I just do? <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, all of those sorts of things. But also I think it's important to um, remember that self-care is also around uh, having healthy boundaries, you know, it's about taking, speaking kindly to ourselves, taking care of our finances, taking care of our relationships, um, setting healthy boundaries as well. Like I say, I ha- had very much people pleasing tendencies that I'm still working on. <laughs> you know, this is all a journey, and finding that um, it's actually fun to practice those. I love to say, you know, when a challenging situation comes up, I'm I'm like, thank you, universe, for giving me another chance to practice these healthy boundaries. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. In fact, I woke up this morning thinking that. I We were all over the place last night and all the whole family was stressed. My daughter was worried because William hadn't come home. Um, and there, so that my, my husband was... <laughs> I'm not going to... They're really overshadowing. So my husband was having bereavement counselling, so the bereavement counsellor stands up. I don't know why I'm laughing, right? Well, I always do this, don't I, Mandy? And and so the whole thing felt like we were really family crisis. And and I did, I remember saying to my son, he came home, gave him a big hug. I was like, you just, like, we need to talk about this, but we're too tired to talk about this. So we went to bed and and I did, so I just said, look, tomorrow's another day. We can look at it tomorrow. It's another day, okay? And that was like, I woke up and I just, and I, and I am doing this bit of morning intention setting uh, with the positive planner, which I love, but morning reflection, uh, morning intention, evening reflection, a bit of self-care. And, and I just thought, what is my intention today? And I thought, actually, I need to find a way of disengaging somehow with the drama of all of this, because it's exhausting and I was like oh okay I've got work on my boundaries to do Mm. and again because life throws stuff at you I don't know what it's like to parent an 11 year old I've never done it before so this is going to be new boundary stuff for me isn't it you know well it is on a daily basis so I really love what you've said about that Bex and I think that that sort of ability to check in with yourself and to because a boundary yesterday might not 
be still the boundary today. So that inquiry and conversation with yourself and giving yourself a bit of space to do that is, is seems kind of important too, right? Definitely. And even things like a conflict resolution, like I mentioned, I had no idea what that was. And this is up until like a couple of years ago. I've been sober for five years now and I still only a couple of years ago, I was like, this is a, this like a skill or a, a, a um, something that I can develop within me. Like I read this in a book and it blew my mind. Oh, I can become better at managing mm. conflict because in the past, conflict freaked me out. I would run for the hills and it's still, I, you know, I, the minute that a, a conflict comes up, I feel my stomach drop. I feel icy cold blood in my veins. I feel all of those physiological signs that, you know, uh, run, run. Yeah. Um, but to, to, to recognize that, oh, okay, I can delay my responses. I can mm. think things over. I can let things go. And I can also um, take a break from things like you were just talking about there, Kate, about if things are very emotionally intense to say it's okay to put that down for a minute to actually have mm. give myself some breathing space and not sort of uh, dwell on it because sometimes that can make us worse. Um, there's, a, there's a few coaches and Tony Robbins is one of them who talks about changing your state about um, when you are in that cycle to, you know, jump up and down or go do some movement or something to help you to um, see things in a new light. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I love what you said about the, the taking a break. And, and I sometimes look at it like... Um, I can, yeah, that, that to me is like, the, the, I said to you the other day, didn't I, Mans? I said, like, the storm, like, let the storm blow through. You don't yeah. have to, You maybe you're not the master of the storm, like, today. You know, might need to just do yeah. nothing. There's power in do nothing. There's the power of the pause. There's the power of letting it pass. And I think it's a really key tool for sobriety, actually, because those triggers, those you know those trigger times you can feel like you're in a storm you can feel like oh my god I've got to do something to change this and actually sitting with that and having that patience is one of the the sober power tools isn't it mm -hmm. absolutely I think there's two things isn't there there's there's the the fact of well a you know the go-to solution to that was you know having a glass of wine to mm. numb it out so right what are we going to do that's different to to that solution because we don't want to do that anymore i mean i had a bereavement last week so yeah i mean it's still very fresh so it's like me it's either i cut off so mm. cut social media i go into my little woman cave and i just look for quiet and blankets and yeah that's as you said mm. very um physical touch or absolutely changing it up you know dance or run or swim or just go and do something that completely flips that kind of emotional um yeah response and just gives you gives yourself time to to go through it yeah mm. without numbing out do you know i think so <laughs> many is... of us live in our heads don't we i think i see that yeah. such a lot on sober forums and so many of us drank to quiet make it quiet somehow Mm. And, and then just learning about and isn't it amazing when you when like you said Bex like you go oh actually I can learn to be better at this like learn it like I'm not just this kind of like right I'm a grown-up now well so-called grown-up and so that's it <laughs> set in stone it's like I suppose that neuroplasticity it's the the uh, ability to evolve and 
And once you start seeing that happening and that upward spiral that you were talking about, Mandy, I think that's mm. when people... I think that's when the magic starts for people. Because we always say, you know, people used to say further along the line to me, you know, the best is yet to come. And it and it's so true, isn't it? Absolutely. It just gets better and better with all that practice of all of those those tools, of all of those skill sets. Yeah. So, so what do you, um, so your reasons to love sober Bex? <laughs> well, let me see. I was thinking about this this morning, actually, because like I said, I had friends over last night and we had a bit of a late night. So I got up this morning and I thought, how wonderful to not feel hungover, to have the whole day ahead of me. And I feel this infinitely, infinitely more on Sundays when I wake up and I'm, I'm like, oh my gosh, to have the whole day ahead of me full of possibilities. Like, I love that. You know, it doesn't matter what I end up doing, but to wake up and, and just feel that joy of, ah, freedom of what could I do with this so you know that's I suppose that's it that's the thing that I love most about being sober is the freedom because mm. I feel like so much of that cycle of drinking and hangovers held me back and really um, bogged me down and made me feel um, not worthy of, of, of the life that I want to create and so to remove all of that and to have that absolute freedom to um, to take to steer this ship anywhere I wanted mm. to go, I think that is the reason I love it the most. Mm, that's a fantastic reason. Yeah, I love that, and I, you know, that lights me up when I hear that. I go, oh yeah, that's true. It's me too. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, what what is your tip of the day? I would say really to that that everything that we've talked about today about focusing on what you're gaining like I always think that that is the the key to any kind of lifestyle change because we are as humans we are very adept at focusing on what we're giving up of like oh no but I've got to change it's painful where I am but the pain of change is more and to be to really um, do a number on ourselves like to really freak ourselves out when it comes to any kind of change whereas if we open the door like if we have that seed of possibility like you know both of you Mandy and Kate were talking about before that seed of possibility is planted and you start to feel hope you start to feel mm. a little bit of joy coming you start to feel like oh okay maybe there is more out there I remember you know, one of our interviews interviewees in the program she said you know asking um is um is this bad enough for me to stop drinking is not the right question. The right question is, is this good enough? Is this situation good enough for what I truly want? And I love that as well, you know, very much focusing on um, not what we're giving up, but that things could be so much better. Mm, yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah, 100%. That's it's so true. And, um, and I love, yeah, thank you for picking that back up again, because I think that yeah, that that hope. I mean, I, it's not for, for my reason to love sober. It's not about me today. <laughs> but I'll put my two pennies in. It's about all of us. It's We're all this together. It. Yeah, it's true. We are. But yeah, and I, I really feel like that. I, I remember at some point, like, feeling like that there was just this kind of Groundhog Day descent to the grave kind of thing, which is a dreadful thing to think when you're in your early 40s, isn't it? And that, but I truly felt like that. I was like, well, it's just going to be more of the fucking same. Excuse my French. It was just literally, it was so like, oh, great. And I remember like probably about a month into sobriety feeling like, 
oh my god I can I had that feeling of I can create I can be master of my ship and I can write the pages now like what do I want to write on my pages and I hadn't felt like that since I was a kid Uh, so yes oh my gosh yes we have that feeling every day when we're a kid right we can just be creative and Mm. we can just have messy fun with creating stuff there's no worry about am I going to fail at this or you know am I am I going to mess this up it's part of the fun is let's see if I can mess this up you know (laughs) let's see what what where it leads me let's see if this drawing comes out like a painting or like a squiggle you know let's see yeah, yeah, that's lovely. It's such a lot of freedom. So I just want to, before we finish, um, ask you what if you've got any plans or projects coming up that uh, we might not know about. What's, what's the oh, future looking I'm, like? I'm currently writing the second book, so Ooh. I am super excited about that. It's been a little while since A Happy Hour came out, so I know it's way overdue, but um, I'm really excited about getting stuck into it again. <laughs> mm. Amazing. Can you, can you tell us a little bit more, or is it all under wraps at the moment? Yeah, not well. You guys would be the first ones to know. <laughs> um, but it's a continuation of a, on of A Happier Hour where I'm sort of diving into the concepts that come up in the second year of sobriety because that one was very much about the first few months and the actual the stopping. This one's more about what do we do when everything changes? You know, everything around us is still the same, but we change so much. How do we find our way in this new world mm, yeah that sounds really really good and uh yeah because uh, yeah it definitely is it's sort of like who said we're on the transition team tara moore yeah <laughs> and we were on the transition team at 18 um right well look bex it's just been amazing to talk to you like truly you know yeah, from my heart you to so yours much. in such a big way across the continent across the globe across the airways are you seriously like you've you've like touched my heart and touched my life in a huge way and i couldn't be more grateful um okay so beautiful thank you (laughs) all right so um to anyone listening you know if you're immediately concerned about your drinking um obviously it's good to see your gp um there are various forums um online uh so baristas has a an ask the doctor uh service where you can get um medical advice there's alcohol no there's not alcohol concern i always say that what do we say yes it is alcoholconcern.co.uk um has um agencies of of local support you might be able to access but um, obviously and check out we'll put all the links back to all of your stuff because you know sexy sobriety could be just the absolute fit for you uh, just reach out and get support and have a good look around and see what fits for you because there will be something out there that helps and uh, have a good week take care and we'll see you next week for more chat